Needed. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful we can come together and uh, worship you and look into your word. And Lord, we're just so grateful. And, and too, just this morning, we're so grateful for the young people that you have uh, put in our care and the families. And uh, we especially lift up Isaiah and Kenna as they step out into just a new phase of their life. And Lord, we ask your guidance and protection for them and just uh, such a strong you know, to say amen to all the prayers prayed over them. And then, God, too, we just thank you for the word you're going to present to us this morning, and we thank you that we have the word, that we have truth, and we have a foundation that you speak to us. And so we thank you for that. So we just ask, uh, just anoint me that with spirit that I just speak your words clearly and that each heart would be open to receive. We give thanks to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn, if you will, turn, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 66. By the way, that's the last chapter in Isaiah, if you want. (laughs) Isaiah 66. And then we're going to look at verse 2. And that's the B, the second part of the verse. It's a long verse. We're just going to look at the second half of it. So Isaiah 66, 2B. And before I read it, I will. I actually, looking at and three or four years ago, maybe not that long, I actually preached on this then, you know. And, and, and uh, I went back and looked through it. And it said, well, this is a little different. So the Lord showed me a few things different. So I feel comfortable in preaching on it again and something that we I feel that we really should know <clears throat> now um, let's read that Isaiah 66 2 second part 2b it says this God is speaking he goes these are the ones I look on with favor those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word now, uh, as we look at this, I want to touch quickly on uh, two things here. The word humble, and you can, I mean, you can look up in the dictionary and see what humble means. But in the context of looking at being humble before God, you know, I think this definition helps, is a good working definition. As we go, you know, it says, I can't, but God can. I mean, I think that's a good definition of humble right there. I can't. But God can. So he's looking to people who say, I can't, but you can. And then the word, they are humble and they are contrite. And when you look up contrite and different definitions, it all comes back to one definition. It's crushed. And you go, oh, whoopee. I mean, <laughs> you have to give a big amen. Every, no, it's but crushed. But when you look at it in, in the context of what's being communicated here, it means avoid of any personal strength. You're contrite. Before God, you just crush. You're void of any personal strength. Now you take humble, you know, I can't, but you can, and void of any human, you know, I'm void of any human strength. Only you can take care of this. So what you see with these two words, what you see these two words is us as people stepping out of our self-effort and depending totally upon God and what he tells us and how he shows us. Amen? And, and again, there's, I think it's no accident he uses words like 
crushed. Because a lot of us, say, well, yeah, we think God can do a bunch of stuff, you know. And, you know, with my, my help, he can do a lot of stuff, you know. And it's like, no, with my help, I really mess up what God's doing. You know, he's, I need people who are void of personal strength. Now, you're void of personal strength because you recognize you're comparing yourself to God. And you, okay, you got this, I don't. Are y'all following me? It's not something like, oh, just humble and crushed. You walk around beat down, you know. Some of these religions, they have changed. You know, they walk down the street and they whip themselves on the back, you know. They're humble and contrite. It's not what this is saying. This is just saying a total stepping aside your self-effort and an absolute 100% trust in God, in God. And though these are the people, these are, now this is who God's talking to here. These are the people who recognize God is the creator of all things and holds things together. Now, do you see why you would be crushed? <laughs> why you would be humble? I can't do. Before the creator God that created all things and holds things together. What could we possibly think we could add to that? And if we think we can add something to that, we are not humble and we are not crushed. And so you see, the, I mean, there's a huge point being made here. And so also, these are the people that recognize God's word, that recognize that God's word is eternal and has the power to create and the power to destroy. Okay, you with me? The content is like his word spoke, create, his word spoke, destroy. You know, and it's like, oh my God, what, how are we to handle that, that? He says, yeah, it's easy. I'll tell you right here tremble. Tremble at my word. Because my word creates, my word destroys. Okay? Now, you tile this together, you, you know, I mean, this is really powerful. Okay, you're humble, you're crushed, and you tremble before God. Because he got to do is say one word, one word, everything changes. One word, create. One word, destroy. One word, he imposes, you know, his will in all there. One word is all, is all it takes, is all it takes. So, you all with me? So, so this is like... Whoa, whoa. And it's something that we need to really look at and think about as individuals as we look around the world. Look around the world here that we're involved in. Now, I, I'm really hesitant to say this, but you will all give me lots of grace, and so I'll say it. <laughs> Thank you. But one of the big reasons I see that need to look at this verse and preach this verse it's not because all the lost people in the world it's not them i mean they don't know you know and they're not going to believe it they're going to just foo -foo it, blow the whole thing that's not god's not talking to that so as we look around, it's not all the lost people and i'm not i'm my desire motivation to preach on this and speak on these not all the lost people what bothers me is the pastors <laughs> that don't believe this. That's what bothers me a lot. And it's just, I don't know if it's just me, but the things that I'm reading and some people really have surprised me, you know, and just uh, what they've said about the Word of God. Now, there's solid, 
powerful guys out there and gals and all that. But it really, to me, it's disturbing that a pastor could stand in the pulpit and not be humble and contrite and tremble at the Word of God. That, I just don't see how you do that. I mean, I literally would be scared. I mean, I sure would say some things and, you know, actually, you know, okay, you said it better and, okay, you could you know, say things you shouldn't have said. Or, but you, you're kind of trying to do the right thing. But to stand and absolutely to say and deny God's word, I mean, I really do feel like, no, he wouldn't do this to anybody else in the world, but I feel like if I did it, he would just strike me dead and I'd fall over. I mean, that's what I feel like. I honestly feel like that. And so the boldness or the arrogance to stand up and say, well, God's word's not true. What he says is the true. This is what he meant, and this was for another time, and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say that. You should be crushed, meaning I don't have anything to offer. I mean, humble, like I can't, you can. And it's like I'm just going to tremble at your word, and I don't want to edit it. (laughs) Uh, My business is not to edit the word. I study it and understand it the best I can, present it the best I can. Don't edit it. I believe every word here is true, is written, okay? So here we are. That's why, so when we're talking about it, we need to be aware of, we need, and the Bible tells us, it goes through the scriptures, to be aware of false teachers. It says, be be aware of false teachers. And, you know, Jesus says, Jesus said they're ravaging wolves, they're ravaging wolves, false teachers. But they're so sweet. <laughs> and I like his wife, and he got sweet. Nope, that's not how God looks out. They're ravaging wolves. Ravaging wolves. And so, and how one gets that way is, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, you know, just kind of get too big for your riches. You know, it's just like, well, I think God could, he didn't really mean this. You know, so we can kind of soften it. And I think, no, that's that's a slippery slope. That's a slippery slope. Y'all with me? So this verse is really good uh, to, to point that out. And it starts out, God starts out, he says, these are the ones I look on with favor. This, these are the ones who make God happy, you know. Those who are humble, contrite in spirit, and who tremble. At God's word. God is happy when we tremble at his word. See, because if we tremble at his word, we see him and we know what he's all about and we know what's going on. So he's happy. He's happy. So as we look at this, now, so this is kind of where I'm going and to reinforce these words, you know, what God has to say about his word. Again, this is his word and I present it the best Wallace can present it, but it's his word. It's his word. I always have um, a little side note. You've probably run into this. If anybody, uh, and I do this 100% of the time, somebody comes up, Wallace, I don't agree with what you said here. This doesn't make sense. I think this is, you, you know, I think it means something else. I said, okay. I said, 
Read it. That's fine. Read it. Then you tell me, you tell me what you think. Because it's not me. I, I, I give you the best shot of what I think. And I could be wrong. You read it. Because the word is absolute truth. I'm not. And I might misinterpret it. But the word is absolute truth. If I misinterpret it, it doesn't take away from the word. It's still absolute truth. The word just exposed me is not having a clear understanding of what he had to say. See? And I'm good with that. I'm fine. I'm fine. But we had, I wouldn't want to share this, but we we're home group. And I uh I can't even remember what the message was. But I shared this message, and we're in homework, and one of the people said, you know, you shared this, and when I read this, I see it a little different. I, I see that it said this, just like that. And so I said, okay. So I read it, and I went, it does say that. I mean, I did, I mean, I did it kind of like that. I said, that's what it said. That's dead wrong. I mean, it was like, holy cow. I didn't mean to be dead wrong. I mean, I studied to be dead wrong. What's it's like I put a lot of effort to be dead wrong. But it was to have someone else to point out. And, but what it was, it wasn't the person. And they had a perfect good attitude with it. It wasn't the person and what they said. It was when I read what the Word said. And I thought, oh, my God, that's what it says. You know, okay. I defer, <laughs> not to him, I defer to the word. You see what I'm saying? That's a good attitude. That's a good attitude to have in, as, as we look at the scriptures. Now, so as we have this, think about here you have in the Old Testament, but you see that that same principle, the Apostle Paul takes and he, as he talks into the New Testament, as he's presenting the word of God, and he is... I don't know if he's evaluating, but he's assessing where people are by how they accept the Word of God. That, that's the standard you're l looking at. You know, well, you see in the New Testament, well, you've got these teachers coming there, false teachers telling you this. No, you can't listen. I mean, it goes out and tells you not to. So, the, so Paul's excited when you see people and they go, oh, my goodness, they get it. They get it. You know, him and Barnabas going out and saying, hey, man, they got it. High five. You know, something. It's like, because it's the person, it's the Holy Spirit opens the word to them and they believe the word. You don't believe the person. You believe the word. All right? Now, so here we have Paul commented. Paul comments on new believers in Thessalonica. We've just been through that. But he comments on these new, new believers because they recognize the authority of God's word and trembled at the magnitude of what they were hearing. So this is what happened. Paul presented it, and these Thessalonians respond. He's like, oh, my God. They, in, you know, application here, they humbled and contrite and trembled at the word. And just listen to this. They understood the magnitude of what they were hearing. And there's no overhead here. But in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, just listen. It says, Paul says, We also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is indeed at work in you. See? 
He presented the word. And they, that guy, the Holy Spirit told them, that's true. That's truth. They accepted it. That's God's word. That's not Paul's word. That's God's word. And now it's at work in them. All of a sudden, and these people start changing. See, so we see this. They received the word of God, and they accepted it. And again, not is a human word. Not as a human word, but is it actually is the word of God. They heard it. No, this is God's word. Holy Spirit convicted them through the scriptures, and they accepted it as the word of God. Now, then what we also see, also that they experience the power of the word of God. The power. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I know some people over the years that... Uh, daily <laughs> read the word of God and they don't have and I could say this because I won't tell you who they are <laughs> they don't have a spark of spirituality in them not a spark I mean not I mean they're really not people you want to go have dinner with it's like oh my God you know but there's no spark because somehow they intellectually will read but then they never incorporated it is real it was just you know like reading an old magazine over and over and over again they had it down but there's no life in it and so you, you can people without the spirit can truly read the bible and not grow because they don't have the spirit the holy spirit's not present they've not received the spirit or whatever's going on in these people's life they just read it you know it's the word of man but no some people read to god the holy spirit takes effect and you see power take place and move within people the more time they spend with the word they experience the power from the word of god now once received this word becomes active an active power when received, it becomes an active power, and it starts operating continually in the believer's life. It starts operating. It starts coming in the believer's life. When the Word is at work in those who believe, there is a change in behavior. Now, I want you all to think about this. Once you read, understand the Word of God, and we know from other messages, what the, you receive the Holy Spirit. But once you re read the Word of God, you who believe and you read it, there's a change in your behavior. Right? I'm not even going to say anything. What about all the moral issues coming up? Are they reading the Word? Are they reading the Word and the transformations coming and their behavior is changing? No, they want to change what the Bible says to adhere to their behavior. That's all that is. That is all that is. They can be smi nice, smile, sweet, pat you on the back, you know, but that's all that is. See, they're trying to change the Bible to fit their behavior. When the Bible goes at work, the Bible impacts you, and it changes your behavior. Therefore, you are not X, Y, Z, and you are not A, B, C. You are a follower of Christ being transformed into his image. It changes 
our image. It's not dead letter on a page. It changes us. Now, I won't, this is a rhetorical question. I mean, any of you like read the Bible, you look at something, you go, oh, good gosh, you ain't kidding me, Lord, you know? And I do have to apologize to them. <laughs> I do have to say I'm sorry when I told them X, Y, Z. And it's like, and then I, if you're like me, you argue. Well, I'm not going to say anything. And then the Lord goes, then I'm not going to speak to you either. Now, that's how he works with me. He said, well, God wouldn't do that. Well, he does it to me. He does it to me. Fine, you want to do it? Do it. And it's, all right. But what happens, you read and you see it. You, you see things in there you don't see before. You know, have any of you read this rhetorical question? Like you're reading the Bible and something, the Lord tells you something, you go, I didn't even know that was wrong. I didn't know that was wrong. You know, you can't do that. It's like, oh, gosh, didn't even have a clue. Didn't even have a clue. So anyway, you get the point. You get the point what I'm saying. The Bible is living and it's powerful and it does, it changes when we read it because we believe it's the, when we believe it is the true word of God, we accept that and it changes our behavior. And again, at our own pace, pace, at our own pace. I swear, I could preach you a hundred sermons, which, you know, I have sometimes, <laughs> and just like, whatever, whatever, and not change. Well, that's why, because it's just me saying it. God, you can look at the Bible, and he can say one word, your whole world changes. One word. Second. Second, see? And, 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 and by the way, I'll, I'll share something else with you. And this is fun. Okay, y'all are with that. <laughs> you can come up and you say, well, I don't agree with what you said. Why? Because I think. Now, I wouldn't say it, but I would think it. I don't care what you think. I don't care. You think anything you want to. But if you say, well, I don't care what you said. Because right here it says, and it seems to me like it said, okay, you got my attention. I go, look, or he said, well, I, I didn't see that, but I can see where you came from that. And that's a good thought. And pray about it. We'll just see how the Lord leads, you know. But be, I, I predict, don't care what you think. I don't. See? You see the difference? See the difference here? So anyway, we look at the Word, and that's what we come to see what's saying in the Word of God. Now, and then uh, we see where in the book of Acts... Like I said, the word changes behavior. And when I say this, you all know the Holy Spirit lives in us. And say, but the word changes behavior. In, uh, there's not an overhead to this. But in Acts 18.15, in Acts 18.15, Paul is described. And how it describes him in Acts 15. Uh, 18.5 is being seized by the word. And this means as though it overpowered him. Paul seized by the word. It overpowered him. And then he went and did something. Well, how did you get seized by the word? You know, first of all, you believe God spoke it. You believe that God speaks to you. You believe it's real. And you can get seized by the word. You read, you read the word. You can't, you can't stay the same. You can't stay the same. So he was seized by the word. Now, here's a point 
that we need to think as we looked at this, those who are humble and those who are contrite and those who tremble at his words. But let's put those definitions in that we talked about to make this workable, okay? I can't, but you can, okay? I have no effort to even offering this on the cross, and I tremble at your word because I, I know you can. I want to find out what you're doing, see? God speaks to those people. God speaks to those people. Now, I'm going to say something terribly convicting and say, well, God never speaks to me. All right? He speaks to these people. He speaks to these people. People who say, I can't, but God can't. The people that say, I can, I'll help God out. God didn't speak to. Those that are crushed, God, I have nothing to offer. God speaks to. He says, no, I got, you know, I got some things working for me here that I want to do. God didn't speak to those people. And those people who tremble at his word, like, oh, my God, when God says it, it's, you know, it's earth-shattering. You're paying, my God just said that, you know. He speaks to those people. It's not that big a deal. I'll read it whenever I get a chance. Who cares? You know, I'm preaching, you know, next Sunday I better study. I better read something. I have something to tell people. You're in trembling. God's not going to speak to you. You have something to say, but it's not from the Lord. Because you tremble. At, you, you tremble at it when it's from the Lord. Now, you, now I'm kind of making a big spit. But you see what I'm saying here? And, and, and it's, again, you... <laughs> This is where certain things you know and certain things you can't say, you know, but you can't say them, all right? And because, you, you know, the Lord gives us wisdom also, <laughs> you know. You know, one thing is to have knowledge. One thing is to have wisdom, okay? Wisdom is know what to do with your knowledge, you know. And sometimes the Lord says, you keep your mouth shut, you know. You know, you've you got to have, you, you know how to approach stuff. And I, I know this is going to be terribly convenient. But it's just like, God never talks to me. You know, he never shows me anything. Well, darling, come here, help me. You know, we'll walk you through and buy an ice cream cone together, and maybe you'll feel better. And, you know, it's... But what the Bible says is that God doesn't speak to me. He says, you're not humble. You're not crushed in spirit. You don't tremble at my word. I ain't talking to you. Because you have to be humble. I can't. God can't. You have to be crushed in spirit. Lord, I have nothing to offer. And you have to tremble at his word. So when he does something, and when he does say something to you, you go, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You know what drives the world crazy? I mean, Christianity drives the world crazy. Solid Christianity drives Satan crazy. But one of the things that drive people crazy says, well, how do you believe that? I, I just believe and trust in God, and He transformed me, and I put my and and I just know that He prompts me and leads me and teaches me. He can't do that. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. See, and it's hard to when you talk to someone who God has spoken to, you know, then you can't hardly change their mind. You can't. 
Why? Because God told them, oh, you know, we're going to fire you and throw you out. In the okay. Oh, all right. I, I just can't. That's, and that, make me, that makes no sense. See, that makes no sense. And that's one reason the church becomes a problem. It, it becomes a problem. So I don't care what you... Well, that's, that denies all logic in here. Well, no, it's what he told me to do. Now, again, this is the individual thing. You know, I could come up here and say, Hey, guys, gals, let's go do this. I don't know. We better take home and think about it. We'll pray about this. And you should. But when God tells you to do something, when God moves into your heart, all of a sudden, all bets are off. You know, it's just like, okay, all right, that I, you may go back to the Word. You may have some guys pray, gals pray with you. But you go, no, something's happening here. I can't move off of this. I can't move off of it. And why is that? Because it's real. Amen? It is real. And this also, I just you know, kind of get, God told me to do this. Well, how did he tell you? Oh, I don't know. I just having a dream one night, and he told me to do that. I said, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that was you, but you had that dream. I didn't. It's not my dream. I'm sorry. You know, I, can't, I can't do that. But, I, okay, I mean, I can't say you didn't, but I can't say you did. But if we look at the word where God says something to us, we go, well, that's different. In fact, you, that's what the word's for. It's for correction, you know, correction. Now, everybody, we, we, you know, we're doing good, going here. It's the word of God. To, and it says, now, so what we have here, those that tremble at God's word, God speaks to them. Those that don't tremble, they don't hear nothing. They don't hear. They don't hear. So, God uses the word tremble to challenge our devotion. How many times you'll hear people, well, God wouldn't do that. Well, how do you know? Show me he wouldn't do it. Well, you telling me he doesn't do it. You know, well, he wouldn't get angry. I can show you like 100 verses where he does. I mean, you can say he doesn't. But, I mean, yeah, but... In fact, he can get really mad, <laughs> you know. Now, so it's a God mad, you know. I mean, it's a God given, you know. So people say crazy things because what I consider crazy because they don't tremble at God's word. They don't tremble. They can they they can override God's word. They can dilute God's word. See, and so you can go all through life. You can know the scriptures and go all through life, and you know, kind of play both ends against the middle. But now what? What God is telling us here, he says, we should not take his word lightly. Lightly. We should not. You just should not. In fact, we are not just to read the word. We are to imitate the prophet Jeremiah and devour the word. Now, you'll find that as we read through the scriptures. It doesn't just, well, just read it. You don't just read it. You devour it. You devour it. And that's when God moves. When you devour his word. Look at Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Jeremiah says, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy, my heart's delight. For I bear 
your name, Lord God Almighty. <laughs> you see? Jeremiah spoke, and he devoured. They were, they were his joy. He devoured the word. Now, you want to give another, just kind of share a, another verse that's interesting. The um, little background. When the, in the Old Testament, when they give sacrifices, the sacrifices, uh, and we know from our other study, the sacrifices represented Jesus. Okay, those things, you'd take a lamb and you'd kill the lamb, you know, cut its throat, the blood come out, you kill the lamb, and you wouldn't even get to eat, you know, the hind quarter of, of the meat. But the sacrifice was Jesus, is the picture of Jesus, right? Remember, John the Baptist says, there's Jesus, he's the Lamb of God who saves the world. See, it's the, Jesus is the sacrifice, and the priest could eat some of the sacrifices, depending on what sacrifice it is. You, you could eat that sacrifice. Guess what Jesus told his disciples? And they had an issue with this. They, they, they said, Let, and it says in John 6, a bunch of people left, said, hey, listen, you... Buddy, you just stepped too far. And that's what they told Jesus. You stepped too far. And he told this what Jesus told them. He said, if you love me, you'll eat my flesh. That's all he said. He didn't give any context. He's let me explain to you. We'll have a week-long Bible study over this. He did not. He's talking to the Jews. The Jews offer these sacrifices, and they know how it works. And he said, if you love me, if you follow me, you'll eat my flesh. You'll devour me. You'll devour everything I say. God's not in the wishy-washy. <laughs> he did not. He said, you in, you out. Yeah, yeah, I love what it says in, in Revelation. It talks about revelations, and it? it said, you know, it says, you're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. And the literal translation is, he says, God, he says, you make me want to throw up. That's his little translation. You make me want to throw up. You're not hot. You're not cold. You make me want to throw up. I wish, God says, I wish you were either Hot or cold. You just make me want to throw up. Okay, you see Jeremiah says, oh, guys, I hate them. They were my joy, you know. And so we have the picture here. Jeremiah's describing how he consumed the word of God. He made these words his own. He ate them. This symbolizes the total assimilation of God's revealed truth in him. Jeremiah's chief delight was God's word. Jeremiah reflect the psalmist when the psalmist said, there's no overhead here, said in Psalm 42, is the deer pants for the streams of water. Oh, my soul pants for you, oh my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Is that lukewarm? Is that lukewarm? Not lukewarm. It's when Jesus says, with the Psalms 42, eat my flesh if you're serious. Consume everything about me, everything, excuse me, everything about me. And that's what Jeremiah said. Ate them, your words, ate your words, okay? Now, 
So you have this picture, the Apostle Paul, you, so you have this picture in the psalm, and the Apostle Paul was a man, was a man who, New Testament man, who thirsted for the Word of God and trembled at its presence. And we have here in 2 Timothy, the last letter, letter the Apostle Paul wrote, he summarizes, now he's summarizing the Old and New Testaments. So Paul, Paul is here. He knows. He's with Jeremiah. The words came, I ate them. He knows when Jesus says, you ate, ate, eat my flesh. So Paul has this concept. He knows what it is, you know, to be humble and contrite and tremble at God's word. He's got it all. So in his last letter, Paul writes this. His last letter, with full understanding, he writes this. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And the word here, the word all, that word all is very significant. It means every kind and variety. Every kind and variety of Scripture is brought God breathed. Well, I don't like this verse, so I'll take it out. I don't like the way this is said, so I'll remove it. I don't think this applies. So that's what it says here. Paul had the whole, everything. He had the completed Bible by the time he wrote this. He said, all Scripture is God breathe. Breathe. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I actually do this. I don't know if that's any good. But I'll open the Bible, and I'll read it, and I'll say, God, breathe on me. Breathe on me. Just breathe on me. So you read it. And because... Then it is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, righteousness. Now, this means, and this is so important, this means that every single word of Scripture without exception is God's breathe out word. Every word without exception. You have no right to delete anything. Nothing. Nothing. And what you have, you know, not one word is to be questioned. Not one word to be questioned. Now, you can ask, I don't understand it. Making sense. Well, that's good, you know. I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You keep trying to learn something. But it's not to be questioned. Now, listen to this. Second Peter and you like Second Peter, <laughs> too. He actually makes a statement, and he includes, he says, he includes all of Paul's writings as part of Scripture. If you read that section, it's very interesting. He states all of Paul's writings are Scripture. He includes them with the Old Testament. Anyway, in Second Peter, he touches on this subject, too, of God's Word. It says, for prophecy, Second Peter 2.21, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There it is. Now, and I say this because, again, y'all love me. Okay. So <laughs> and so I can make application, and you know what I mean. But it's, it's like I can share something with you. So it's like, you know, this prophecy and the words of God, and he's talking about prophecy, but it also means the word of God here. It's not, uh, it doesn't have an origin with human will. It's no human will. And somebody said, that was 
Wallace, he's kind of cute when he said that. There ain't no way that's part of Scripture. <laughs> you know, that's not Jesus. Say that, you know. And then I always, I always kind of get the sign from Linda, like with this, like yeah, it wasn't Jesus. Whenever she does that, I go, it wasn't Jesus. You know, I said no. <laughs> so it was. You could, we we have an ongoing edit. You know, it's like that. <laughs> but but that's but he he's going to say, but Scripture's not like that. Carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's not of a human origin. It's not of human origin. And and when uh, it was spoke from God, as they were to carry it along by the Spirit. Now, Scripture, all of Scripture, is these men were, and it's other places they were carried along by God, by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote Scripture. It's inerrant. It's inerrant. It's not the person. You say, well, Isaiah said this. No, he didn't. God said that, and Isaiah just spoke it. Yeah. So let me kind of wrap it up with this. And, and think, again, think about it. You really need, we really need to know this, but just listen to this. You, you, me, you discount God's word, and you will be discounted. Yeah. You discount word, you discount God's word, you will be discounted. Know that when you hear anybody on television, where you hear whatever preacher. And again, not people make mistakes and, you know, they grow. But no, when you overtly, when you discount, they will be discounted. And we'll probably grow old enough to see it because they'll be discounted in this earth, in this earth. The Holy Spirit, now with me, the Holy Spirit wrote the Scriptures. Therefore, readers of the Scriptures must depend on the same Holy Spirit to give them understanding of the Scripture. Shall hear that? You hear that? That's why I try. If somebody has a different view and look and show me something, I say, well, okay, you know, and process it looking at the Scripture like the gentleman did in the home group. Why? Because... The readers of the Scripture, not the preacher of the Scriptures, the reader of the Scriptures must depend on the same Holy Spirit to give them understanding of the Scripture. Now, granted, you want to go and listen to a pastor or preacher that you believe he's listening to the Holy Spirit and is based on the Holy Spirit is sharing what he taught him. And the Bible says that should happen. It's preach the word inside, in season, out of season. So that's a commandment, not that that is a commandment. But ultimately, when you stand before God, it's what God told you. It's what God told you, not what God told me. It's what God told you. Now, it is the Holy Spirit who must interpret and apply his own message in his own way. Now think about that. It is the Holy Spirit who must interpret and apply his own message in his own way. What is it? Well, God didn't say that. No, no you, you can't do that. You can't say God didn't say that. Now you can say, okay, God said this. And man, this God really speaks to me. It's really a different way he told Wallace, but really speaks to me. 
Is that legitimate? Between you and God and the Holy Yeah. A lot of times the Lord will show me things personally. This is what I'm telling you. And I'm thinking, wow, and I'm really moved. But those words he told me don't preach. They don't preach. They're for me. They don't preach. And even husbands and wives, the word I get is not for Linda. <laughs> they sure don't preach. <laughs> see, God will speak to her individually. God will speak to me individually. You see, he speaks to us individually. The Holy Spirit is the interpreter of the Scripture. And when you read the Scripture, you know, and I will when I do the message, and I said, Lord, show me, show me, give me insight. What? you know you want to say what needs to be brought out what needs to be discussed because the holy spirit wrote it therefore the holy spirit is the best interpreter see i'm a secondary interpreter see because they didn't write it <laughs> i didn't write it see it's secondary and i am a secondary teacher your teacher your primary teacher is the holy spirit does that make sense Makes sense. All right. Therefore, as the psalmist said, we also say, the psalmist said, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law or in your word. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Now, if we believe, we believe every breathed out word of God. And when we breathed, believe every breathe that word of God, then we will reverently and confidently believe. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that's worth dying for. That's worth dying for. Right there. And why? Because I said it? Because God said it to you. God said it to you. Somehow, way. God said it to you. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, it's, it's just amazing. We look at your word. You've given it to us. And you've made it very, very clear that it's without error as it was originally written. It may be studied. It may be examined. But it cannot be changed. You will not accept it being changed. You will not accept people who try to change it. So, Lord, we tremble. We hold your word. We tremble at your word. And we thank you that we have a word. We thank you that somehow you touched us and that we believe on you. We give thanks to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.